Today's reading comes from Philippians chapter 1, commencing at verse 12. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped me to spread the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, and that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. I do not know which I prefer. I am pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, and for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation, and this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Hear the word of the Lord. So we're continuing our series on Philippians, and as we look at Philippians, uh, Paul is addressing the subject of priorities uh, with the Philippian church, and he's helping them to understand a little bit about how he, Paul, uh, manages the, the priorities of life. Uh, I imagine the Philippian church would have looked at Paul in jail and been discouraged at some level. Because <laughs> if the faith that they're following could end up in someone being in jail, what could this mean for them? You see, the Paul that came to Philippi is the Paul that was put in jail. 
It's the Paul that told them the story about how he was in jail with Silas singing God's praises. The, the shackles came off and the doors opened. This is the same Paul that has been in jail for a while and continues to remain in jail. And so they would have been wondering, well, what, has God changed his plan? What's going on? See, this, this wasn't a, a young church. This was 30 years on from when, for Jesus' death and resurrection. This was 15 years on from, from when Paul had established the church. And so the church had been a, around for a while and they would have looked at Paul and at some level they would have been uh, discouraged that, that Paul was seemingly incapacitated from what they thought was the ministry that he called them, was called to. And so, so Paul, stuck in this place, uh, is continuing to be concerned for the Philippian church because, I don't know, I introduced you to these three people last week, the Lydia, uh, the merchant of fine purple cloth, uh, the demon-possessed slave girl who was freed from her demon, the, the jailer. I don't know what, what you, whether you think these people would have instantly got along, but Lydia, home of the house church, <laughs> invites in the guy whose main communication method is with his fists, uh, with, a, with a sword, uh, putting cuffs on people, potentially anger issues. Uh, the the demon-possessed slave girl, I wonder whether she would have instantly been in 100% her right mind and figured out how to live amongst other people or whether she at some level had to adjust. It's been 15 years and these are the kinds of people that are having to figure out how to do life as Christians together. Now Paul's concerned for them, concerned that they can continue to get their priorities for life together. You see, Lydia had a successful business and I wonder whether at some level she would have worried that the rest of the church was taking advantage of her hospitality or, or the wealth that she had. I wonder whether the worries of running a merchant business would have overwhelmed her at times and caused her to be so busy that she struggled to find time for this new calling that she pursued. Uh, the demon-possessed slave girl would have grown up. What would have growing up looked like for her? The, the jailer and his family... Uh, maybe at some level simple people trying to figure out where they fitted in in the house of someone that they'd never previously associate with. We imagine short timelines when we read the Bible, but for a, a group of people like this, the timeline wouldn't have felt short as they figured out how to do life together. And so Paul talks to them about the priority of life because he wants to, them to uh, discover a little bit of, of how they can live well together. And so in talking to them about the priority of life, he, he talks to them about his journey. If you've got uh, your, your Bible open, I'm looking at Philippians 1 uh, verse 21. And, and so Paul says these words. He says, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. So living as much as I live, as much as I have breath in my body, it is that I will be the hands, feet and mouthpiece of Jesus. So when I live, I live for Jesus, but dying is gain. Well, what does he mean there? He, he goes on to explain it and, and he says, 
If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, fruitful work for Jesus, and I do not know which I prefer. I'm hard-pressed uh, between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That is far better. So if you're thinking of the scale of priorities, being with Christ, he says, is far better. Being with Jesus means no more brokenness, no more suffering, uh, no more broken bodies, no more broken relationships. Uh, Paul uh, describes uh, at one point in his faith that he was caught up in the heavenlies. At some level, it's believed that Paul had a heavenly encounter with Jesus in the heavenly realms. And this dramatically influenced his ministry. And so when he says being with Christ, he's, he's talking about being in heaven with Christ. Uh, a false belief has uh, permeated the church through some sections. And that belief is that when you die, you kind of go to rest. You have this soul sleep. And you sleep until Jesus wakes you up and takes you home. But that, that's not actually the way it works. Jesus says to the thief on the cross, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. See, so there's no time-lapse gap between uh, dying and being with Jesus. We're, we're with Jesus now. There's no point in life between life, death, heaven, where Jesus is not with you. So being with Christ is great gain. It is better by far. Uh, fruitful work is good. And so it's comparing two good things. He's not saying it's a bad thing and a good thing. It's, it's a good thing and a better thing. So better by far. Uh, but then he, if you continue on, so he's hard-pressed between the two. To, to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. So he, he thinks of the needs of others. It's, it's desirable and it's better. He's convinced to, to be with Jesus. It is far better to be with Jesus, but he sees that the best for him now is actually doing the work of Jesus in looking for the needs of the people that he's connected to. And so when he considers best versus bestest or better, uh, the needs of others and the fruitful work of Christ now is what he sees as the priority for him. He'd love to be with Jesus. In, in, uh, at many levels, there'd be no more physical suffering. He'd be out of that jail cell. His work would be done. And so there's great gain, but he sees the needs of others, the, the work of Jesus, as the best that he could be doing now. And so why does he write this to the Philippian church? He writes to the Philippian church because he, he wants them to grow in understanding and discernment that the Life of a Christian is not meant to be easier. Not come to Christ and life's going to be better. For these three people, uh, not come to Christ and your profits will grow. Uh, not come to Christ and you'll find a husband and create a family. Someone that's grown up as a de demon-possessed slave girl is going to find it very difficult to live a normal life. Not come to Christ and you're no longer having to be rough with people and to be a jailer and to... You, you can suddenly give up your uh, former way of relating to people. No, come to, come to Christ and you have a new mission and a new purpose. Uh, when we come to Jesus and we seek to live for ourselves rather than the needs of others, life isn't going to work. 
And, and so he instructs them in verse 27. He says, Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I, I will know, and so he gives us a few things, I will know that you're standing firm in one spirit. So they'll be standing firm. The, the persecution that comes against them, they will be not moved by it. They're fir firmly uh, planted on the ground in one spirit. That is, they're sharing in a similar understanding of the, of the priority that God has for them. In one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel and in no way intimidated by your opponents. See, the, the great enemy, the enemy of our souls is the devil and his aim is that we would not stand, uh, we would not be together and we would not do what Jesus has called us to do. And so, so Paul is concerned that as they seek to live a life worthy of the gospel that they will be doing what is necessary to be able to continue in the work that God has started in them. And, and so what you need to do in order to continue is you need to stand with others. You can't be a Christian alone. And if you're saying, I function really well as a Christian alone, maybe you're not actually doing all that Jesus is for you. See, the, the picture that we're given in the Bible of the church is, is a body with many parts, with, with feet and knees and legs and uh, presentable bits and unpresentable bits, and Jesus as the head. Uh, and as we perform our functions, the, the body works well. And if we're not functioning together, well, the, the body can't work. And so we can't be achieving what God's called us to achieve unless we figure out how to do life side by side together, striving for the gospel. And so when he calls us to look at the priority of life, uh, that what we're taught very much is do what's best for you. Uh, think of what's best for your family. Uh, do what's best for your career. And so we can come to church with that mindset of, I need to be filled up. I need this for me. But Paul actually says, actually, <laughs> that the way we're called to think about life is about uh, doing fruitful work for Christ, uh, looking after the needs of others. And so if each of us came to church not thinking, what can I get, but what can I give? That's when we begin to perform our function in the body. You see, if you were to imagine a part of the body that I'm performing right now, I'm, I'm probably the tongue or the mouthpiece, maybe the, maybe the lungs, uh, but the rest of the body needs to form a part of that. You see, God gives us as, as gifts to each other. He doesn't just give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to people that will be a gift to each other. And so you've been here this morning. Uh, you bring a gift. You have something that no one else has that's uniquely about you that when you're not here, others are missing it. But it's not just turning up, is it? If you just turn up and imagine that somehow you brought a gift, then 
I don't think that works, does it? Uh, because at one level, I've talked lots this morning. I'm, I'm leading and praying and, and preaching. I've talked lots this morning, but what is the contribution? What is the gift uh, that God's calling you to bring? And so part of the growing uh, up as Christians that we're called to do is uh, not just discerning between good and evil, which Paul talks about as the mark of maturity in a Christian, that you could discern between what is of God and what is of not of God, but it's actually determining or discerning between what is best and what is just better. What is best and what is better? And then what is the, the work of Christ, the fruitful work of Christ that I'm called to do in that? And that can be really tricky. Sometimes we need others to point out to us, you're really good at this, and then we need to do it. Sometimes we, we need to be bold and just try it for ourselves. But what is the, the best uh, that God is calling each of us to? That's what we're called to discover, the priority that we've called to discover. And it's not that any of the other things in life are unimportant. It's that actually in life we're, we're called to find purpose and priority in doing the best that God has before us. And it's not just live a life worthy of the gospel on a, on a Sunday. It's actually live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ in your work and in your relationships in the community. Be his hands and feet, but don't do it alone. Do it with other Christians. Get other Christians on board with God's work through you because his work doesn't, most of his work shouldn't be happening in the church. Most of God's work shouldn't be happening in the church. So most of God's work should actually be happening through you and I as we're in our workplaces, as we're interacting with other people, as we're seeking to be people of the gospel that do the fruitful work of Christ. And it's hard to do that when we're alone. So he says, stand firm in one spirit, strive side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. And so for all of us, there is this wrestle of, well, actually, how in life do I live out the work of Christ in my context? It's not that you walk into your workplace or you walk into your cafe and you preach. But it's about in your work, in your cafe, what is Jesus' best for me here? How can I uh, encourage this employee that Jesus' best will be done through them? How can I, in this relationship, do Jesus' best for me? How can I leave, leave something that is good and pursue what is best? Uh, we've discovered in COVID that there's so many things that compete for our time. And many of us wake up in the morning some days and wish we were in lockdown so we could actually get some things done. <laughs> and then are thankful the next day that we're not in lockdown and we can do things. But sometimes what that means is going, actually, there's, there's good things that aren't Jesus' best for me. And so are we willing as God's people to leave good things behind to pursue the best that Jesus has in front of us? That's a challenge. That's a challenge for us to wrestle with, to discern 
between what is, what is the best. And at times it might mean that we are working really hard. There is a, a laboring for the gospel that we do. There's a stepping out of comfort zone that we're called to. But as we have this priority of the, the need of others and the fruitful work of Christ, we can be confident that God's Spirit will lead us uh, to where we need to be. We're going to flick back to uh, that uh, part of Mark's Gospel I just read out uh, at the start. Uh, Mark's Gospel, uh, the disciples are arguing who's the greatest who is the greatest? <laughs> They've just failed, and yet they're still arguing about who is the greatest. Who will be lifted up the highest? And Jesus says to them, well, actually, <laughs> it's, it's not about uh, being the greatest. Actually, the one closest to me is the little child. So actually, as a, as a follower of me, uh, you need to... <laughs> Be like the little child. Uh, you need to uh, be giving of what you have. They weren't able to cast out uh, the demon in Jesus' name. Jesus says, don't be concerned about anyone that does a work of power in my name. But he encourages them to be a people of faith. Whoever has faith will do even more than what I have done. And so we read the healing of the boy with the spirit, and we kind of park that off in Jesus' era. That's the kind of thing that happens in Jesus' time. But Paul also says to us in, in Ephesians, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual authorities and powers that are at work in this world. And so if our war is not against flesh and blood and, and Jesus' best for us is standing side by side, what are we standing against? It's the enemy that we're standing against. And the enemy would seek to do the best job of convincing us that uh, what is second best should be our actual best, uh, that we are the greatest and they're not the greatest. And so Paul in Philippians is seeking to, to reorient us to, to be a people uh, that can take all people from all walks of life and walk together, stand together, be of one mind. And so the challenge for us as a church is to figure out what is, what is his best for each of us and how can we pursue it together. And as we pursue it together, how can we be oriented towards each other and what each other needs and as we do that as we have a priority for jesus's gospel going forward as we have a priority for each other as we be the hands feet and mouthpieces of jesus i uh, will see him work and we'll see him grow his church so let me pray for us as we, we seek that our father we pray uh, that you will give us the, the grace uh, to live well with each other. Lord, it's so hard in life uh, to discern between uh, best and better, good and the very best. 
what you have for us and what we think is best for us. Continue to be patient, Lord, with each of us as we uh, stumble along and discover that together. Lord, where we've been overcome by the many and the things of busyness that consume, help us to see a way through uh, to what is uh, best in you. Lord, as we look at what is best, help us to, to see things clearly, Lord, not through uh, the eyes of what others think is best for us, but help us to see things clearly uh, the way you see what is best for us, Lord, so that our energy, as limited as it is, may be devoted towards what will produce the harvest for your kingdom. Give us the courage to say no to what we need to and yes to what you call us to. And Lord, as we live in this world in relationship with others, help us to put first the needs of others. To, to think of the gifts that you've given us and how we can use them to, to serve each other and be encouragers of each other. And Lord, as we find life difficult, uh, be with us, Lord, and strengthen us. Uh, be with us so that we know uh, the feeling that Paul felt that it is better to, to be with you. It is better to live with you now and to be with you in eternity. And so, so Lord, teach us to live in relationship with you in such a way that uh, we, we find our best in living with you and for you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.